0: My name is Charles Wright, and welcome to the Complete in Christ podcast, where we endeavor to fit the pieces of our lives together according to the Word of God. In this new series called Get Right Church, Let's Go Home, we're exploring the phenomenon where believers and non-believers have become disillusioned with the church because of their inability to reconcile their notion of what the church is and should be about with their observation of and experience with a local church body. Last episode, we talked about how baptism and communion shape a church's communal life. In this episode, we're going to explore different types of categories for church hurt. So let's get to it. First, uh, let me say uh, that I apologize, or at least I want to apologize for how long it has taken for me to get this episode out The month of May has been a whirlwind and not anything bad, but uh, from my wife's completion of her doctoral program to my uh, moving my oldest daughter back home from college for the summer to my then my youngest daughter's graduation from high school. And then add on top of that, that I ended up getting sick and then didn't have the voice to record, had a a lot of coughing and, and just hoarseness. But um, I'm back at it, and with the Lord's help, picking back up where we left off, we'll continue to walk through this series. And so, as I like to say in the intro, let's get to it. Uh, last time, right, when we met or at the last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about the ordinances of baptism and communion. And those, and how those ordinances, when they're carried out in accordance to scripture, both of them help to shape the communal life of a local church. Specifically, just by way of reminder, because it has been a while, that baptism should really drive us towards extending grace and extending patience and being forgiving and merciful to others within the local church community because baptism should remind us that we too have received all of those things from God the Father through God the Son. And because of Christ, We get to benefit from his sacrificial death, even though we didn't do anything to deserve it. And in the same way, right, communion reminds us that we are connected not just to Christ, but we're also connected to all believers everywhere. But more specifically, and and more germane to our topic about church hurt, more specifically, we're connected within our local church to the believers within our local church. We are unified. We are united by the Holy Spirit. And as such... We really should be striving to maintain and to deepen and to strengthen that unity. At the end of the day, the bottom line really is that baptism and communion are not only outward signs of an inward spiritual transformation, but they also serve as reminders. They, they remind us right, that, that interactions with believers within a local church and with people in general should be marked by grace and should be marked by patience, as we imperfectly interact with other imperfect people. This means, though, if we kind of carry this all the way out logically and, and to its conclusion, this means that the communal life is not going to be executed perfectly within a uh, local church. And as such, it, it is going to result in people being hurt within a local church body. And that hurt comes as a result of, in some cases, of intentional actions, and then in other cases, because of unintentional actions. But if no church can have a perfectly executed communal life, then presumably there's some form of church hurt that is happening all over the place, which then kind of begs the question, I think, if we're being Intellectually honest, it it kind of begs the question whether or not all church hurt is equal. Because again, if every local church body has imperfect people interacting with other imperfect people, then they all are fertile ground for feelings to get hurt, for individuals to experience some type of emotional damage because of those interactions. Again, whether it's intentional or unintentional, but we should be seeing and experiencing some form of church hurt in all sorts of different ways across all of these bodies, but I think we have to then ask ourselves whether or not all these these instances of church hurt are on the same level, kind of on the same plane are they of the same magnitude and I think that that is a fair and and a and it's reasonable, right? It's a, it's a fair thing, and it's a reasonable thing for us to acknowledge that the situations and the scenarios that individuals have identified as having caused them hurt within a church body exist on two general spectrums. And if you kind of think about kind of graphing these, there's kind of an an x-axis and a y-axis, right? There's there's one axis, or at least one spectrum that. Is related to the kind or the type of church hurt that is being experienced. And then the second axis or the second spectrum is related to the level within the church that the hurt was experienced. And when I say level, I mean, did, was this church hurt experienced at the hand of a pew member or was the church hurt experienced? as a result of an interaction with the pastor, uh, right, or, or the leader of the church is, is kind of what we're talking about when we talk about level. So let's look at the first one uh, that deals with the kind or type of church hurt that's being experienced. And I, I want to pause here and reiterate this. I've I've tried to do this kind of at critical points throughout the whole podcast, but in case, you know, I've gone without a while having said this, or if you're just now engaging with this podcast on at this episode, I want to be sure to state very clearly that this kind of examination that we're doing and talking about church hurt being on these spectrums and, and whether or not, uh, you know, every, every church hurt is of the same level and magnitude is not to diminish in any way the impact that an individual who has experienced some form of church hurt has, whether it's the emotional impact, the the, the feelings that it relates to the the mental, uh, psychological impact, whatever that impact is. However, that situation caused you to react. I, I am in no way trying to diminish that as we kind of explore talking about spectrums and magnitudes of things. What you went through is is what you went through. But What I am trying to do and what I think we should do is is in the same way we took time and and considerable amount of effort to look to provide a context for how church hurt in the more general and generic sense for how church hurt can even occur within a local church body. I think we owe it to ourselves to provide somewhat of of a context or a spectrum for the actual hurt people experience within a church. So like I said, let's first consider the types of church hurt that that individuals can experience within a church. And I'm going to utilize four categories. And these four categories I, I've created. So I don't I don't want you to think that this is anything that you can kind of look up online or or this is some type of scholarly uh, creation that someone has has kind of put forth, and uh, but I've kind of thought about this, and 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 really said, hey, you know what? When we think about church hurt, I think it's helpful again to kind of put these in some buckets or some categories, and and again, I've got four of them. The first one being uh, church hurt that is legal, right? Church hurt that is um, ethical, and this is these are the buckets now church hurt that fits within a personal bucket, and then church hurt that fits within an accountability bucket. And just so that we're all kind of operating and and dealing on the same page and, and you're not left up to kind of defining these or thinking you understand what these buckets are, I do want to take just a few minutes here to define them to help create these distinctions very clearly. And again, just to calibrate the, you guys to what I'm thinking about when I create these uh, these buckets. And so the first one I mentioned is kind of church hurt that kind of fits in a legal bucket. And the way I'm defining this is, is this is something that occurred between two individuals that was a direct violation of one of those individuals' mind and or body. And, and, and as an example, we're talking about molestation, uh, possibly uh, some type of sexual assault or some type of physical assault uh, or even um, an extreme kind of case of perpetual bullying or intimidation or harassment and 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 to push it even further kind of this I'm calling it kind of church hurt that fits in the legal bucket because you could also think about it in terms that if it came to light the the details of the situation and the scenario it would result in legal action taking place against the offending party. So, so that's one bucket, church hurt, that is fits in this legal bucket. The second bucket is church hurt that, that fits kind of in, in this ethical bucket. The second bucket is something that that would or could occur rather between two individuals, or it could even be it could even involve groups of people that ultimately was a violation of the established trust or the established expectations, uh, or or the um, policies of the church, maybe like a bylaws or a constitution, uh, whatever the case may be. And, and these can be things like affairs, maybe. It could be instances where maybe money was stolen or property was stolen from the church. It could even be impro- inappropriate use of church resources, right? And again, trying to create just some distinction between, uh, again, church hurt that kind of fits in the legal category versus church hurt that fits in this ethical category. Uh, the third uh, bucket, so that's legal, that's ethical. The third bucket that I mentioned is is personal. And these this is church hurt that could uh, occur between two individuals, or it also could involve uh, groups of people that at its core is really, it just boils down to a difference of preference or a difference of opinion, right? There's there's not necessarily a uh, established trust expectation or policy that you can point to. There's definitely no law that can be pointed to that was violated. And and when we think about these kinds of things, I really think about as an example, maybe like a church that's selecting a pastor uh, and maybe one group wants one pastor and a, another group wants another. And now there's uh, there's some uh, division and, and and some conflict that's ri- that's occurring because of that. There also sometimes this you can see this kind of church hurt when there's some type of building campaign or building effort for a, a a local church, and and not just that. Oh, the church is building, but really in the the decision of what the church should be building. Should the church be building a community center? Should they be building uh, more sanctuary space? Should they be building more classroom space? If if it's sanctuary, what? What color should the carpet be? You know, all these kinds of things that that fall into really preference and opinion. You can't point to anything in scripture, you can't point to anything in the bylaw. It really is just what people want versus what other people may want. Now another example of this category of church hurt is even in and around how a church spends their money. And again, not illegally, not unethically, but just how the money is spent, uh, how much is going towards missions, how much is going towards benevolence, how much is going towards other ministry, you know, all these kinds of things. Again, not necessarily a right or wrong, but really rooted in preference and opinion. And, and I think, you know, when we kind of think about the, the buckets so far, this one should be fairly high on the list of of situations and scenarios that I think most of us are probably the most familiar with because a lot of us have been through the process of selecting a pastor for a church. A lot of us have been through the process of, of a building campaign or building efforts. We all uh, are in churches that are trying to decide how best to spend money. And so these kinds of, of opportunities, look, it can even be kind of the direction and the, the, Flavor of worship. Right. Is it more contemporary? Is it more traditional? You know, all all these kinds of things where it really becomes preference and opinion that can create division and can lead to some interactions that, again, are imperfect people interacting imperfectly where emotions and feelings and perspectives can get uh, hurt or damaged uh, from a result of those interactions. The last bucket. So legal, ethical, personal. And the last bucket is church hurt that is related to accountability. And this is one that I don't think we always think about, but we should think about. And this is something that could occur between two individuals, or it could even occur, you know, involving groups of people, depending on how many folks are involved, that at its core is related to the addressing of unrepentant, sinful behavior. And when we think about well, what kind of behavior, well, just think about a lot of the lists that Paul tells us that we should be avoiding, right? Lust and anger and divisiveness and greed and sexual immorality and all these sorts of things. And, and I want to go back and really stress a couple of things too. When I, when I talk about this, this bucket, and, and that is, is that it's related to addressing unrepentant sinful behavior, meaning that this isn't about calling out everybody's imperfections and mistakes and missteps. As, as we try to walk this Christian life and are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and that you're now being brought in front of the, the body, the congregation as, as, you know, with a scarlet A on your chest kind of a thing. But this is really the, the focus again is on unrepentant, meaning that, that there is a, an individual or a group of individuals who are involved in some type of sinful behavior are practicing, actively practicing this sinful behavior. And despite Warnings and admonitions and conversations with either church, other church members and or church leadership are refusing to uh, stop that sinful behavior. And again, this is not directed towards folks that are unbelievers. This is directed towards people who are, who have at least professed with their mouth that they are believers in Jesus Christ, that their lives have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Again, you know this kind of links back to the baptism and communion and how important those two ordinances are and, and how important it is to to utilize those two ordinances and apply them correctly according to scripture but if we have someone we're not talking about folks who are visiting folks who have not professed the belief in Christ who have not uh, been baptized who are, who do not participate in communion who have not been uh, regenerated by the holy spirit we're talking about those who are profess believers in Christ as their Lord and Savior who are involved in some type of sinful re- behavior that they are refusing to repent and to turn away from. And look, when when that is being addressed, right, that can create some situations where maybe there is some church hurt. Now, one thing I, I do want to point out is that these uh, divisions, again, like I said, they're they're not scientific, and I'm definitely not standing on them saying that they are perfect. You can think through these. And it's very easily to see how some, uh, right, depending on the details of the situation, there could be some overlap, particularly between the ethical and the legal. And depending on, again, what we're talking about, maybe even into some of the, you know, the personal into the accountability. But I, I think for the sake of our purposes, and and for what we're trying to do here, that these buckets help to create a distinction that is very helpful for this discussion as we really begin to now talk a little bit about how these buckets and people's experiences can impact their involvement in a local church. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Complete In Christ Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode or series, you can send them to questions at complete in Christ Podcast.org. Please include your name where you're from, and the specific episode you're referencing. Also, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It gives us feedback that helps us to keep improving and provide some insight for those who may be listening for the very first time. Again, my name is Charles Wright, and until next time, be blessed.